Welcome to the Money Behave Podcast, episode number two. Here I'm going to provide you with a more in-depth look at what my hopes are for this podcast. Maybe you're just tuning in years later and you're just listening to the show for the first time. I'm excited to have you here with me. I am planning on keeping all my episodes offline so you will be able to download them at your leisure and go back to any ones that you missed and want to hear again. You'll be able to find these at moneybehave.com slash podcast. On my website, you will also be able to find detailed show notes about each episode so you can look and listen to the parts that pertain particularly to you. My goal is to keep each episode to less than 30 minutes as when I first started listening to podcasts, I would listen to them on my lunch break and less than 30 minutes was perfect for me. I would love to hear any feedback you have about today's shows or any of the questions that you have. Please send those to feedback at moneybehave.com. That's feedback at moneybehave.com. I am also on most of the social handles like Facebook and Twitter, etc. And those are going to be at moneybehave. Once again, that's at moneybehave. One of the guys that is attributed to my success is T. Harv Becker. He always starts out his speeches and books with whatever works, keep doing. Whatever doesn't, you're welcome to throw it away. And that is what I'm going to recommend you do with my show. Try it. If it doesn't work, throw it away. But keep an open mind about me. I will do a more in-depth dive later, but want to give you a quick outline and a story of me and where I came from. I'm originally from Plano, Texas, a small town north of Dallas, where I grew up for the first 26 years of my life. In 2009, I was a very sad, angry, depressed male with a negative net worth. I decided I needed a change and packed up all my belongings and moved to Colorado Springs. About a year later, a friend gave me Dave Ramsey Financial Peace University DVDs, but I just stuck them on the shelf to gather dust. I finally got to a point where I'd had it when I was one day late on my Bank of America credit card. The bill was due on Sunday, but because of the banks being closed, the payment didn't go through until Monday. I called and asked them for some leniency and see if they would waive the late fee, but they wouldn't. I was so angry with them, I told them they can cancel the account, they'll get their money in full real soon, and I will no longer do business with the Bank of America. In 2014, I decided to pull out Dave Ramsey's DVDs and get started on his program. I sold my 2011 Honda CRZ and bought a 575 Honda Accord from the year 1988. Several of my family thought I was crazy. I remember getting a call from my sister and said, What? You sold your car and bought this? What is this? Are you crazy? Turns out I was a little bit crazy. But I'm here to tell you that it has since paid off for me. It's four years... A four-year plan turned into three years, including going back to school and paying cash for college. I went to school for computer programming, which is what I thought I wanted to do at the time, which I'll come back to in a minute. But I ended up writing down my outline, and it looked like it would take me four years, based on the math, to get rid of all my debt. But I wanted desperately to finish all my debt paid off before my parents' 50th wedding anniversary cruise in May of uh, 2017. I end up scratching and clawing and taking a couple part-time jobs, delivering food and, and stuff to people for some extra income to get to meet those goals. And it was hard. I, I sacrificed a lot of time with family and friends and personal time. And But looking back on it now, it, it was definitely worth every, every bit of it. I ended up finishing paying off my debt in two years and uh, 11 months, which was really exciting. So why computer programming? Looking back on it now, I guess, I I definitely had a heart for computer games and playing games and anything involving a computer my whole life. I've had, you know, my first computer I built 13 with, at the age of 13 with the help of my brother. 
but looking back on it now, I, I, I think it was just more of me running away from stuff than instead of running to something, which is what I'm doing with my coaching now, my financial coaching. I'm, I, it's, it's where my heart is. It's, it's, it's where my passion lies. People have come to me the last several years and asked me, you know, how did you turn your life around financially? And, and I tell them and it's just, it, it just fills me up and they ask me questions, you know, what should, what would I do in this situation or this situation? And it, it just occurred to me, it's like, man, I can help pe- so many people, you know, where I struggled and where I had a whole lot of questions and at the time, and I didn't know who to turn to. I just kind of had to find it out on my own. I think it took a lot longer than it could have if I had, you know, found someone that helped me coach me, you know, so that's what this podcast is all about. Me being able to help you, maybe speed up some time any questions you guys have i can i can i can answer them or do my best to answer them i'm actually going through dave ramsey's financial master series right now i'm about 90 percent done as of april of 2018 i will be finishing that up here in the next week or two and that has been extremely helpful more in-depth coaching one-on-one more lessons more behind the scenes you know bankruptcies retirement you know estate planning all that stuff, insurance, is it's been a, it's been re- very insightful, and and I want to pass that knowledge on to you guys. Some of the other podcasts that I listen to, like Tony Robbins, uh, Tim Ferriss, also very insightful money money podcasts that I would highly recommend listening to. I'm also starting one on one coaching for those that need help one on one. I can do that uh, in person, over the phone, or through Skype. So if you're looking for that, you can email me directly. My name is Jonathan Dell. Uh, you can email me at jd at moneybehave.com. That's jd at moneybehave.com. I'm currently still residing in Colorado Springs, so it is a huge military community here. And ask me about a special discount for uh, military personnel. If you are serving in the military or have served in the military, I want to thank you for your service. I have several friends and family in all branches, Air Force, Army, Navy. I love how much Colorado Springs has been uh, very supportive of the military here. Okay, now I'd like to dive into the two things that really changed my my life financially. And the first first thing I did was change was my attitude. And what I mean by that is really, really start to keep an open mind to anything and everything around me. And anything people said, I'd always stop and question, you know... I would ask myself, what do they mean by that? You know, is, is do, do they are they really coming from a place where they know something, they've learned something, or are they just you know are they full of it? You know, you know. Zig Ziglar had a great quote: "If you're not willing to learn, no one can help you. If you're determined to learn, no one can stop you." And I really went from a know-it-all to a uh, learn-it-all. Zig Ziglar was an excellent motivational speaker who passed away in 2012, originally from Alabama. He uh, lived a lot in uh, Plano, Texas, actually, where I grew up, and I can't help to think, look back. I was like, you know, he talked about going to the Plano Rec Center, which is where I've spent several hours a day for a long time. I, I can't help but wonder if our paths ever crossed. I, I, I would be willing to bet that he said something to me at one point in my life. Of course, I was a very wild strong strong-willed child back then so not a lot stopped me I was bound and determined to do whatever I wanted to do back then I was certainly brought up with a strong work ethic and expected to have high integrity but inside my 
inside my brain, there was this little voice that always kept me down, depressed, and overwhelmed with anxiety. And certainly with the help of uh, counseling, I've been able to work through those, especially especially in the last six months, to learn to control that little voice. And, you know, mentioned briefly in the uh, first podcast that, you know, there's only three things that we can control. And here's how I want to help you remember it. If if you're in a car or at work or something right now, that, that's fine. You, you can do this later. But I want you to look at your arm and remember there's three things that you can do that you can control. Your action, your response to other people's action, and your mindset. That's action, your action specifically. Your response to other people's actions and your mindset. The other attitude change was learning that there was another purpose with money. I'd always been a helpful person wanting to help anybody and everybody but I could never seem to be able to find room in my money to give to any you know a lot of other people I know the first couple spending plans that I did with my money I only gave about two percent of my money away and then I slowly increased that to four and six and finally about six twelve months later I was able to give a full ten percent of my money every month and it's it's really changed my character and personality and really really being able to you know not think of myself first but you know be able to help other people along the way and it's it's really one of the exciting things to do with money certainly if you would have asked me 10 years ago and told me that today I'd be giving away 10% of my money to you know local charities friends family anybody and everybody I, I wouldn't have believed you 10 years ago my thoughts would have been how would I ever afford you know to put 10% of my money to other people I know even 10 years from now in the future, that number will be even higher as I reach a point where I no longer need so much money to live and I have such an abundance that I'll be able to help even more people with higher higher amounts of money. It's, it's really going to be awesome. Another thing that changed my attitude was I really started in about 2012, 2011, I really started reading again. Kind of started with fiction and then about 2012, 2013, I really started reading nonfiction, self-help books, anything. Not not necessarily particularly about money, but just any type of self-help, person, personality-wise. Um, books on millennials, I kind of bought, bought into the millennials. I was born in 82, which is kind of like an earlier millennial, uh, depending on you know what how you think of that. Certainly, there are some late 20s and 30-year-olds that are still living in their parents' basement, you know, playing Xbox or PlayStation all day. But I really think there's a lot more of them that are really out there that believe they can change the world and are out there doing it. I mean, look at the day and age we are in. Self-driving cars are here. Uber's here. Lyft's here. We're starting to really see self-flying cars and drones. And I really think the uh, my outlook on the world has definitely changed. And, and, and that's definitely more person, me personally, than you know, changing how I see the world and, you know, anything else. The other key is a detailed spending plan on where my money was going and, and where, where I want it to go in the future. You know, a lot of people, you know, refer to this as a budget, and, and that's fine. Just, you know, if that's what you want to call it, I, I usually refer to it as the spending plan because it's my plan. I can do whatever I want with my money, and so can you. You can spend it on restaurants, you can spend it on, you know, nice cars, you can spend it on uh anything you want to. You just you just have to plan to know where your money's going, where you want it to go in the future and you know, what you do now determines what you're gonna be able to do in the future. 
you know, when I finished paying off my debt and was able to go on a cruise with my parents' 50th wedding anniversary, I I spent some money and then I planned it. It was it was exciting. I had no longer had any more debt payments, uh, just my house left to go. But I did excursions on two of the three stops. I bought many many gifts for people at home and you know people on the cruise. I bought drinks for people, friends, family, strangers. You know, it was really it was a very different experience than you know coming home and putting money on credit card and charging everything on credit cards. It it, it definitely was you know a relief to come home and not have any more de- debt built up. That you know. They call it buyer's remorse, which is something I haven't had in in several years. Not nothing major that I can recall. You know, the first few months that I did my splendid plan, it was really hard. It took me a while to really get it down, and I was I was definitely shell shocked when I realized that me as a single guy, 2013, I was spending $1,200 a month on food, eating out, you know, fast food, old Chicago, Chili's. I ended up taking it down to $300 a month and stocked up on stuff like ramen and Tostino's pizzas. Not exactly the healthiest, but it was only for a short time, and now I can eat whatever I want. I, I, I have pizza delivered to my house now, and I don't think a second word about it. Between that and getting rid of almost a $400 car payment were two two of the biggest you know, spending plan items that, that changed for me. I definitely consider myself a huge car guy. I... When I started this plan, I ended up selling a 2011 CRZ. I had a lot of friends growing up and had the CRXs way back when. And when the CRZ came out, I was like, "Oh, I've got to have this car." It was it was really fun to drive. It didn't didn't quite have a ton of power, but it was kind of go karty feeling driving car. A lot of a lot of fun. And when I sold it, I put it on Facebook that I sold it. I was so excited, and I got a call from. One of my sisters, and I have five, five sisters and one brother, so huge family. I got a call from one of my sisters, and she thought I was crazy. It was like, you know, thought I'd gone off the deep end, but I had a plan, and I was sticking to it, and it's 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 really worked wonders for me. Now it's kind of turned into a fun game. How little can I spend on my cars? My first car when I first started this was, uh, I paid $575 for it. It was rust all over it. It had uh, no door handle. It had kind of like I had to reach in with my fingers and a door handle that's missing and pull on this little metal pipe to pull open my door. It was missing a couple windows, but it was a 1988 Honda Accord, and the thing just it it started every time. When I sold that car two years after I bought it, I sold it for $550. So I drove it for two years. I put, you know, I put probably a, a grand, fifteen hundred dollars worth of maintenance and stuff into it, uh, plus tires, and ended up selling it for twenty five dollars less two years later. This time I bought me a two thousand one Honda Accord, which I just actually recently rolled two hundred thousand miles on it, and decided, you know, I wanted an SUV. You know, my wife, wife and I are having a baby, and we you know we would like to find an SUV. We've I've always wanted an SUV. So I started seeking out and researching, and one of the things I did last year, I was looking for a motorcycle. I went down to the police auction, and I was like, I'm going to go to the police auction and see if I can find a cheap SUV. Ended up finding this nice Honda Passport that I liked, and sat there for you know almost three hours waiting for them to finally get to the last row, which is where my car was like third, third, third or fourth car from the end, and ended up bidding, outbidding one other guy, you know, 
for uh, $400, I got I got a nice SUV. So instead of paying $400, almost $400, I think my car payment was like 370 380 or something at the time. And it's funny, to, my last car cost, I paid $400 in cash for something that's going to last me several more years. Hondas, great cars, Nissans, great cars, I love them. My wife has a Nissan, it things wonderful to drive. Certainly, you know, in those type of situations, auctions or, you know, your your thousand, two thousand dollar cars or something, you definitely want to check out mechanically if you don't know, you know, how to look at things. One of the things I used to do is when I was first buying my car, I'd take it to a mechanic and have them do the pre pre inspection. If you go to a dealership, they really don't like you taking their car off the lot because they can't sell it. But uh, if you go to a personal buyer or an auction, you know, take a mechanic friend with you. One of the things that I did is I, I, I took it to a shop to have them look over a car. And I ended up, I think he charged me like 50, 55 bucks to look it over. I said, oh my, I told him I'd give him 100 bucks if he would, you know, walk me through kind of his process of, you know, how he does the pre-inspection. What is he looking for? What is he not looking for? You know, what's what's... What signs of a bad car, you know, especially with something that's going to have over 100,000 miles, you know, you want because you want something that's going to last forever. You don't want something where the engine's blowing up or, you know, burns, leaks oil. So to me, it was worth it to pay, you know, mechanic double his price to, to kind of teach me and coach me, you know, what to look for on my next several cars so I could walk around. And I remember the first or second car that I took to him, it didn't even have an air filter in it, you know very bad for a car to not have an air filter in it but because i took it to my mechanic and he looked it over you know he told me you know definitely wouldn't buy this car and the suv i bought is completely reliable certainly had the mentality years ago that you know a car with 100,000 miles is not going to be reliable it's going to break down all the time and it doesn't it it may break down a little bit more often but the small hassle of that is well worth not having a car payment every month it frees up a lot more money in my spending plan. Uh, so I would definitely recommend, if, if you don't write your money out, plan for it. You know, your money will leave you. Uh, you can actually get uh, free spending plan forms on my website. Uh, just go to moneybehave.com and click on the free resources tab. There you'll fi find an, uh, the spending plan forms. Uh, they're in Excel s format, so you can edit them, you can add rows, you can take away rows. I really designed it to where you could customize it for you specifically. When I first started doing my spending plan, I I only did it, you know, month to month, but when I changed it to be able to see my I still do it month to month, but I I changed it to where I could see the whole year and I can pull up last year's forms and look and see, you know, what I'm trending. You know, I can see the totals for the year. And sometimes that number total for the year when you spend, you know, $10,000 on food for one year, it, it really blows you away compared to just seeing, you know, a couple hundred dollars a month. So it's helped me open open my eyes to the, the, the bigger picture and the future plans and, and, and all that. Certainly there's other forms out there, but you can get mine at moneybehave.com just click on the free resources tab and they're all right there in excel spreadsheet form another important form that i have there which i strongly recommend you do at least every at least every six months to a year you take the time and fill out it's called the uh, net worth tracking sheet and you can fill that out and track your net worth when i first did this it was a uh, it was negative i owed more people more money than i had coming in and and assets to cover them now with a wife and baby on the way, I can, I feel a lot more relaxed and calmer, knowing that I'll leave them in good hands. If anything happens to me, they won't be 
burdened with a whole bunch of credit cards that they have to deal with and dealing with them. I've got my term life insurance in place. So at least financially they will they will be okay. To me that's certainly the way I I, I want to tell them I love them. I'm also working on a few other free resources right now, but I'll let you know when those are available. Just check them out on my website, moneybehave.com. Another item right on the home page that I plan on doing every month is to help you guys remember what's coming up, common things that people forget to put in their spending plan. Uh, right, month, right now we're in April, so I've got Easter, prom, summer vacations, uh, lawn care, gardening supplies, taxes, uh, birthdays, and anniversaries. That list I'll update every month. Usually, per, I plan on doing it around the 25th of every month. So, so around April 25th, you'll be able to look on there and, and see the May items that are commonly mistaked in people's spending plan. These are items that sneak up on people, even though they shouldn't. You know, summer vacations. You know, those always come up. You just have to remember to plan for them, and and you won't have regret later at the end of the summer. All right, before I go too long, there is one thing I want to talk about. You know, in April. And that deadline is approaching quick. You all know what it is. It's the T word, taxes. Some some of this, it really scares people. If you're already done with your taxes, it probably means you got a refund. Most people that do their taxes early are people that get a refund. The people that do it late are usually the people that are paying in. One of the things I want to ask you, if you, pay, if you did it early and you got a huge refund, you know, how much was your refund? If it was several thousand dollars, you're loaning the government way too much money. Not only that, you're setting yourself up for all the people that know people get their big refunds in the beginning of the year, and they have a plan for that with sales and advertising. You know, They know people get this huge refund check, and, and it's their goal to get it from you. So if you did it early, you already got your refund, it was several thousand dollars, I strongly suggest you sit down with HR and, and work it out to where you don't get so much money back every year. You get it more more money back on your check throughout the year. If you're doing it late because you owe money, I strongly suggest the other way that you end up giving more money throughout the year so you're not burdened with the four or $5,000 tax bill in April. A lot of those guys and gals are people that own their own business and they take money out of their account and they don't end up setting money aside for their, for their taxes. That's, that's definitely one of the first things you should do before you take money home. You don't want to be, you don't want to end up with a hefty fines for not paying enough taxes or interest for not paying your taxes on time definitely uh hurts if you have a very simple tax plan you can certainly use something like TurboTax, which walks you through everything step by step um, but if you have a business or something i would i'd highly recommend you get a tax person to do it for you it you think you're saving money by doing it yourself spending 10 12 15 hours but if you spent more of that time on your business you could probably earn more money than what the tax guy is going to cost you plus the tax guy you know he lives this our girl he lives this every day he does everything about taxes and he knows all the ins and outs and gets you the maximum refund he'll end up saving you more money than than costing you i definitely don't recommend places like h&r block and and the big liberty signs you know on every little corner of the dresses and flagging you down in your cars their main objective is get you in and out get their commission and get you on your way they're 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 not there to save you money Maybe people disagree with that, but that's been my personal experience. I've I've gone to H&R Block uh, two or three times early on in my life, and both times I ended up going back and doing my taxes later and 
and there was other things that they missed and could have could have hurt me bad. You certainly want to pay all your taxes. You don't want to deal with the IRS breathing down your door. They have unbelievable power. They will take your stuff, pay them every every penny. They might be wasting it, but that's that's the law, and I'd highly recommend you abide by the law. Well, we are about out of time today. I want to thank you for listening to the Money Behave podcast. My name is Jonathan Dell, and I look forward to talking to you in the next podcast. Stay tuned.